When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of Wealth Ability. So, a f- little while back, we had a conversation with uh, Mark Bowerlein. Um, professor at uh, Emory University about um, the idea of there's a, a, a some movement in the millennial generation, or it appears that there's some movement in the millennial generation away from capitalism towards socialism. And so um, I got some feedback. Um, my kids are both millennials and my uh, two of my partners are millennials and they're here with me today. And I wanted to really look at the other side of this because I want to see how do millennials view money? What's their, I, because now that millennials are all grown up, they're, they're partners in, in companies, they're, they're business owners. Um, how do they view uh, the millennial generation? How do they view the baby boomer generation when it comes to money? And you know, what, what, what is wanted and what's desired because I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty impartial here as to what I, you know, what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for the information. And my question is, so how do we discover how to, you know, first of all, you know, one is how do we reconcile these two generations? Because there is some reconciliation clearly needs to be be made when you've got, you know, the baby boomers saying, what I consider to be derogatory remarks about uh, millennial generation, you have millennials saying, hey, boomer, like you don't know anything. So that that's the question we're exploring today. I just thought it'd be fun because two of my partners, uh, Karen Manahan with uh, Will Wright Manahan, my CPA firm, and Ryan Husk with uh, is my partner in my software company, PLA Software. And I just thought, you know, I, I actually have two partners who are millennials and uh, who do a, a, a terrific job um, in their position. So I wanted to explore it from the millennial viewpoint. So um, if you would, uh, Karen, you just give a little bit of your background and then Ryan, a little bit of uh, yours and where you are right now. And then we'll just have a good conversation about this. Uh, as mentioned, Karen Manhan, I'm from, I'm originally from Illinois. Um, we got to work with, with Tom and his company uh, when I graduated college about 12 years ago. So we've been working together for a while and partners at our firm the last few years here as well. Um, I, I am just on the edge of the millennial. I technically qualify as one, although I myself don't, I don't quite see that I fit in um, as well. And you know, anytime you make a generalization, I think you're going to, you're, you, that you just can't with, with so many people at such a wide range of, ages um it's pretty different um i think and so i don't quite fit in but i i do see a lot of the characteristics um in others um maybe not myself but people that i do know or that i do go to school with so um i'd be interested to, to share some of my thoughts with you thank you and ryan um give us a little bit of your background yeah uh my name is ryan husk uh 
I have a background largely in technology. I've worked for Apple. I have my own business. I currently work at Twitter for better or worse in these days. It's a little bit chaotic, but uh, I focus on strategic partnerships between companies, which inherently means finding common ground and mutual, mutually beneficial deals. So uh, I think that that's certainly something that can be achieved both in business and in personal lives when you talk about the gener- generation, uh, generational divide. So, so let me ask you this question, Ryan. Let me start with you. And Karen, I'd like you to, to chime in too. So from when you look at you and your friends and, uh, of course, and other employees that you associate with are going to be, you know, largely your age, your age group, how do they, um, from, a, from a millennial standpoint, how, how are they looking at money? How are they looking at finance? How are they looking at their jobs, their employment? How do they look at that? How do you see that differently than how... Uh, your parents or their parents might have looked at it? You know, I think that um, millennials have grown up in a generation that's um, really divent, um, has gone significantly into capitalism and commoditization. And that doesn't just apply to the things that we consume, but it applies to how people are seen and treated as commodities. And I would say that, you know, there's probably a, a pretty you know, Mark talked a bit about, you know, it's the, it's about me, it's about myself. And that's true for many reasons. And one of them is because advertising and companies have made it about individuals. So that's what we're told. It is about our individual contribution to a business. It is about our individual ability to impact changes. It's less focused on teams and more focused on like, what can you do to be better than the person next to you? So I think that is reinforced in how we see, you know, the world that we want to create and the impact that we want to make. And I think that can be a really good thing when you have a whole generation of people that think they as an individual can create change. That's an, that's, that's a great thing. I think that it can be a bad thing when, you know, it, it takes away from the ability to organize and collaborate. And so that's, that not only applies to business and politics, and social groups, um, but it, it can it can impact like the whole of the outcome of what you're trying to achieve. Um, so when I look at you know I'm I'm based in San Francisco, which is a bubble in and of itself, where you know individuals are making a huge amount of money um, right out of college, joining tech startups where there's a crazy amount of competition. Um, and so you know when I look at my friends, I see my friends who are definitely be- benefiting from the businesses that have created capitalism or have that have been created in the sort of capitalistic environment at the same time they're they're groups of people that are starting to see the detrimental effects of just focusing on the individual and wanting to move towards bettering things from a societal perspective so what was interesting about the conversation I heard with Mark was that, you know, he had a lot of areas where he kind of disagreed with himself in a way. Like his argument was that millennials are so self-indulgent, but at the same time we want to provide, we're, we're fighting for support systems for everyone in our society, right? Like he talked about Black Lives Matter. And it's like Black Lives Matter is supported by people across generations, across color, across like different identities. He also said that like, we're narcissistic, but we're saying everyone should have equal rights. 
he said we're like stuck in our own bubble, but yet at the same time he's saying we're advocating for equity for marginalized groups. Um, there are so many contradictions in the way he described us that it was hard to really understand like what his argument was for because it was all generalizations and there weren't any substantial points. Interesting. So Karen, what's uh, what, what what's your take? I mean, because of course you have a whole uh, staff, uh, mostly millennials on the staff. Mm -hmm. And so, what, you know, what are you seeing either in them or your friends or you, you say you're, you feel like you're different. Um, so what are you seeing different and what are you seeing the same when it comes to the millennial generation, when it comes to viewing how, how they view money? I think the biggest difference I see is the way that I look at things and the way others look at things versus the way um, I was brought up. Um, my dad is a businessman, purchasing manager. Um, one of the big things, um, the way you look at your job is vastly different. He looked at a job as something you're, you're very grateful for. You want to stay there until you're retired. That would be a good goal, to stay there forever. And now I'm seeing, um, and I, I even kind of, you know, feel it a little bit with just um, everybody that I'm interviewing currently for a new position, that that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for something new, something they want to change, they want to get better benefits, they want to get a better pay raise. It is more about them. And well, that's a good thing for a potential job candidate or employee. It is a definite change in mindset. It's not about how can I contribute to this team and be here forever. It's more about, well, what can I get out of this company at the moment? And what can, what does it look like on the other side? Is the grass greener on the other side? I think my my dad's generation never really considered that at all. He, you know, if you if you talked about leaving, you'd say, "Well, why? You know, what, what's wrong?" So, um, just never thought about looking elsewhere to see what you could better yourself as. And there are pros and cons on that. Um, I even find because I, I was very, you know, um, my dad instilled a lot of qualities in me of, of hard work and and dedication and commitment. So I I do feel like I may have those um, more than other generalized you know, millennial types, but I do find myself looking at a resume saying, oh, you've worked somewhere for just a couple years each. Is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? I don't know, I'm confused now if that's, if we're kind of in the middle, is that is that good, is that bad? Maybe. Um, and so that look, the outlook on jobs um, is definitely changing. And I think we need to adapt and see if, how things work and, and don't always assume that you know what has worked in the past it will be working in the future hey if you like financial education the way i do you're going to love buck joffrey's podcast buck's a friend of mine he's a client of mine he's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional so he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals that's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime.
That, that, that's interesting. One thing that um, kind of struck me from both of you is you've talked about this individualism and, uh, you know, wanting to succeed myself. And it's, it's about myself, Ryan, you mentioned that. And yet what I, what I've heard, what I've, again, generalization, right? But what I've heard, and I can't speak to it because I'm, I'm the boomer, um, is, is that millennials like cooperation and they like community and, and so forth. How do you, so now I'm, I'll, I'm confused. So is it, is it individualism or is it community? Which, which one is it, Ryan? I think, I think what we're doing, what is happening is that as, you know, we were raised in an individualistic society. And as we've gotten older, we're starting to see that that's not the best way to do things, even though that's what we were told through every form of media and traditional like media and digital media that we consumed. And so that was our mindset. And as we've gotten older, we recognize that that is detrimental to us. Like the reason why, like, like we aren't taking care of a huge amount of people in our country. We aren't taking care of the environment. We aren't being conscious of the impact that some of the businesses that are operating are having on a large amount of people. And we're starting to see that and understand larger context of what success means and say, uh, this is, I feel like I'm going in a direction that I'm not comfortable in and trying to move away from that individualistic um, point of view and start to consider things as a whole. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who think that there was, you know, times were better, you know, in the fifties or whatever, but there in the fifties, there was also this like idea of community and taking care of your neighbor and being there for one another. And, you know, I don't think millennials are the only people that are only focusing on their individual, like themselves as an individual. I think that's broadly across society, regardless of whether you're, you know, Gen X, a baby boomer. Like there are a lot of people who are older who are just focused on their, like what they have as an individual and what impacts them as an individual. So um, I think millennials are seeing how that's impacted society as a whole. And we're early enough in our, I don't know, maturity where we are start where we're just identifying like what we can do to shift away from that. And I mean, you know, to what Karen said about the, you know, the approach to business is like, you know, work hard, be dedicated, you know, be committed to what you're doing. I fully believe that. Um, I think what's different now is that a lot of people don't feel like those same things are given back to them. When a business hires someone at your same level but pays them you know, like hundred percent more than what they're paying you because they were competing for that. Does that feel like, oh, well, changing jobs means I can get more money? Well, like, so what's interesting about that, Ryan, is that if I can interrupt just for a second, is that that that's not different. The difference is is that now people know what other people are making. When I was an employee, should. you didn't know. So, so somebody could be I, that absolutely was going on when I was an employee. I know for a fact it was. But you didn't know. No, you didn't talk about salaries. Not, there was no glass door. There was no. There, there was no um, transparency. So it, it seems like that's part of what's going on here. Is you've got a much more transparent situation than we had. Okay, and so you know, you really have. I look at the generations. My my parents grew up during the depression. Okay, so everything was hard, right? And so they literally like. Karen, you said you you just were <laughs> indoctrinated into just be grateful you've got a job because guess what? It was so hard to have a job 
during that 25 years of the depression. So we're just so grateful for it. And, and that is something that kind of was passed on. And so now we've kind of taken that level. Do you, when, you, when it comes to the view of money, one of the things that is very clear, um, uh, at least from my point of view, is that um, it's not the millennials don't want money, it's that they want, they want the same amount of money, but they want less work. So there's a lot more talk about work-life balance. So let me tell you, Ryan, when I was growing up, there was no work-life balance discussion ever. Okay, that was not a discussion. And that's a big discussion in the last 10 to 20 years. So can, can you kind of look at that? Can you kind of talk about yeah. that a little bit? Because I, is this that we're, we're, so as an employer, I feel the pressure on salaries, but I also feel the opposite pressure that, okay, well, we want the salaries, but we don't want the hours. And so can I, you kind of talk about that? Because I, I, I get a little confused on that one. Yeah, I think that when you were growing up, I don't think there was email and Slack and cell phones. And true. when you were off the grid, you were that actually off true. the grid. Um, I think there's become an expectation that if you have your phone on you, you're able to work because hmm. if you have your phone on you, you can work. Um, so there's no longer a physical divide or a clock to punch or a like person who has to come see you to work. You can get me on the phone in the middle of the night. You can get me on the phone if I'm halfway across the country. You can get me on Slack if I'm midair on a plane. And when people want things done, they're going to take advantage of that. And so you didn't need. So that, you that think the hours, the hours were much more defined um, yeah, they were at, than they, they are were now. Barriers. Yeah. Now, now you'll have people who will be like, I know you're on vacation, but here's a Slack message. Like when you were on, when you were on vacation. I, and like I get, 30s, I, I get, I get those same messages. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so it's, it, we have to put work-life balance in place now because the divides that previously existed no longer exist. Do you, do, you, do you see though that, I mean, here, here's a question, you know, one of the things we, we've got two years of everybody working from home, right? And so do you see, um, and one of the things we're finding is that some, um, and it, uh, it's not, it tends to be, I, I'm not going to generalize it as millennials. I'm going to just say with employees, we're seeing some employees who say, I refuse to come back to the office. There's so many options now where I know I could get a job somewhere else working remote, that I'm not willing to go back to the office. And then he forced me back to the office. I'll just go find someplace else to work. And that's, you know, you can do that in a tight employment market like we have now. I mean, you know, <laughs> it won't always be that way. But, but, but my question is, is do you, do you see, you know, my, my question is, do you see that happening um, for long periods to come? I mean, do you think that, uh, do you see that, as a millennial group, it's this is again. If I want to be collaborative, but I want to work from home, and I'm going okay, I get we've got Slack, but it's not the same thing as being in the same room. So, how, how are you guys? How are you guys looking at that from a um, cooperation, collaboration, things like that? Are you seeing that? Well, we have so many technical tools that we don't need that personal interaction that's that's physical that's physically in the same place. Or are you seeing that, or do you think that that will eventually, you know, fade somewhat where people will want to come back physically? I've what do you think, Karen? Do you want to? What do you jump think, in? Karen? <laughs> don't think it will. I don't think it will fade. I don't think it's going away. I think it's there's there's to me there's part of it as a business where, okay, can you actually get your work done? Do you have the tools and technology you need to get your work done? Yes, that's great. 
But then I think there's also um, more of a media push and just a general worldwide change in the last couple of years, which has influenced younger generations, even younger than myself, to say that, you know, that's not the focus anymore. Um, different, different things um, like, you know, gas prices and travel and um, just different, different messages about pollution and the environment and, um, you know, ability to work from home fixes some of these things. There's a lot of other factors pushing at this generation. And so I think this is starting to become part of them and how they're growing up. It wasn't really part of when I was growing up. So it, it really is not, I don't know if it's a millennial thing or maybe the next generation will, I think you'll find more and more that they can get that interaction with people. They find that fulfillment in other ways. And I, I do think there's a benefit to working with someone face-to-face, -face, definitely. Um, and I, I know that because I've worked in an office and that's how I learned, you know, you, you knock on the cubicle next door. I, I have a question, please. You know, you have to, you have to overcome those physical, you have to actually get up and go talk with someone. But I think for the future generations, the way that the, just the economy in the world is shaping, it's going to be very hard to go back to the way it was because we are we are different. Well, I, you can't ignore that we're all we're all in a home office. I mean, I happen to be in a in my studio, but my studio is next to my home. Ryan, I know, is in his home office. You're in your home office, and so here we are talking about you know being in a home versus going to the office, and we're all at home. It used to be. I remember three three years ago, if I did an interview, I had to go to this studio. I had to go to Fox Studio, or I have to I had to go to you know uh, 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 NBC Studios or something like that. I physically had to be there. Don't have to do that anymore. So what, what's your take on that? I thought it was really interesting, Karen. What's your take, Ryan, as to what you see happening for the future from a workplace uh, standpoint with, um, with, with both, you know, basically business, period? Yeah, I think there's different types of work. I think that there's collaborative work. I think there's individual work. There's heads down work. There's training. Um, and at the moment, like I work for a company that's remote first, which means that like, be remote if you want to be. There is an office for you if you want to go into it, and there are people there that want to be in the office. And I, I found that um, when I go into the office, I have a really good time. I get some social, like I'm, I, I get some the chance to socialize. Um, I get free meals, very cool, and I'm not nearly as productive because I'm chatting with people. Um, I think being at home when you have to accomplish some work, it can be really, really helpful to have, to not have some distractions. You get, you know, other distractions like kids, laundry, dog, whatever it is. Um, but I think there's work that you do as an individual. And then there's work that you do that's collaborative and having a place to go to be collaborative, to dedicate time, to travel, to do that. I think that's incredibly important. Um, I, I think that the fact that we have, like all of us are in a position where we can choose to be remote is a huge privilege. There are mm -hmm. like a, like many, many jobs and industries where you can't be remote and you have to be in person. Um, and so I recognize that like the choice that we have to be remote or not remote is absolutely a privilege and um, something that like we want to be appreciative of. Um, I think that when I look at the companies who are requiring people return to office, oftentimes they've made a huge investment in real estate, commercial real estate. <laughs> Correct. And so not wanting that space to go to waste is probably very high on their list of reasons to have people return to the office. When you look at 
the productivity, and I'd be curious because it's going to vary from company to company, I would, I would be interested to see if there is a drop in productivity when people are working remotely. Because in, in my experience and with the people that I've worked with and the companies that I've been involved in, I haven't seen that. I've, I've seen increased output. I, I, I think it depends on what, what you mean by productivity. So <laughs> I think if you're talking, I have a job to do um, production-wise. So I'm basically a piece of equipment. And I'm a piece of equipment, and I'm going to get my job, basically cave time, uh, if you think of it as cave time, I, I I can do that better at home. I don't. I have no question. Uh, collaborative time, I think, is definitely not as productive from a distance as it is in person. Sure. Okay, because I Absolutely. see that because I do so much training and so much teaching that I I can tell a huge difference. The people who are there live have a completely different experience and a much more rewarding experience than the people who are coming in remotely. So last thing, so we're going to wrap up here. Um, I'd like you to think about one thing that you, one piece of advice you would give to baby boomers when it comes to working with millennials. Okay. So um, Karen, you first. One piece of advice. I don't know. I don't want this to sound too mean, but it's just to fully listen. I think really anyone that is listening to a differing opinion, if you start to listen to the person and then you just kind of shut off because you're already thinking about what you want to reply or why it's different, um, you're not going to be able to ever really understand what they're saying. So, and I do think we're that different in some ways where if you don't actually take some effort to listen and try to think about why that person feels the way they do or why they're saying the things they're saying, um, you will not be able to come to a common ground. So I think fully listen to each other. And I think that's just a, a general life um, advice and a good habit to have, but in particular with these differences in thoughts about finances and life choices, it's very important one to, to consider. I love that. Thank you. Okay, Ryan. Last word. I, I, would I would encourage empathy. When you think about how you all were once hippies and <laughs> the adults viewed you as these crazy people that didn't know what they were doing with their long hair and their liberalism and they didn't understand politics. Like, let's keep in mind that this is a cycle through generations. And because our points of view are different, doesn't put us as adversaries and we have been raised with we are one of the most educated generations and we are not afraid to challenge ideas we're not afraid to push for what we think is better um you know i i i will say that like i found it really interesting that mark wanted to solve all the millennial problems with new music and new stories for us um i don't think that that's we don't want to be pacified like we want to make an impact and we want to make a difference and that's going to come with change and i think that there have been ways that you know baby boomers have changed society to benefit the world that they created and we're going to do the same and we're going to and we're going to see that from the next generation of the coming so what i would say is we're not that different. We're just at say, different stages in our lives. And baby boomers are trying to preserve what they built, whereas millennials are trying to build something new for ourselves. And there's going to be areas where we butt heads, but 
that's okay. And that's how it's been going for generation after generation. No, so no question. No question. Well, thank you so much, uh, Karen Manhan, Ryan Husk, for, I thought this was terrific, very refreshing. And I do think that those, those last pieces of advice is, you know, really, maybe we're not that different, but what we really need to do is listen to each other and understand where other people are coming from. And I guarantee when we do that, we'll always make way more money and pay way less tax. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.